Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Smack. I am your host, Josh Scar. Did you mute your mic? I unmuted it. Are you sure? Positive. Okay, yeah, you did. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I am your host, Josh Scar. With me again this week is Alex Lasden. Welcome back, Alex. Hello, hello, hello. And we are giving you a... uh, an episode eight primer for Star Wars: The Last Jedi, but first we got some news to get into. Again, we're talking smack, talking superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. Uh, Star Wars has a hell of a time coming up this week, going against Ferdinand. Uh, <laughs> you won't see John Cena coming as a bull. <laughs> you you also won't see those box office returns. <laughs> <laughs> I want now. I want to. That's got to be a Sony animation. <laughs> Sony just wants to blow money at this point, don't they? They had the Emoji movie, and now they've got Ferdinand. I think this is actually Blue Sky, which I think they're actually pretty good. Yeah, I forget which one's Blue Sky. Is. Are, are, Blue Sky, I think, did the Peanuts movie. Which was lovely. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I was recently reading up on whether or not we're going to get a sequel, and um, the rights holder is his, uh, is his widow, and she was like, I have no, you know, until the script is right, I don't mind waiting. I can wait five or ten years, and... Like, we we may not have five or ten years, lady. <laughs> We're in a very difficult political climate right now. For now, it might be okay. I'm, I actually do like John Cena. You know, if he's as nice as they say he is, and you know all that stuff with Make a Wish, and um, I admit one of my guilty pleasures is Dancing with the Stars. And his um, fiance was one of the dan- uh, was one of the celebrities on it this year, and he showed up in the audience a few times supporting her, and he did like a little interview with her and stuff. And I was like, I couldn't love you more than I do right now, but you're working at it really hard. And then, of course, like when you're watching the original introduction, I'm like, I don't like this person. Who are they? Why are they here? Why are they dancing? And then, she, and then it's all like, she's dating John Cena. I'm like, she must be a lovely woman. <laughs> so I still can't believe that they're putting up Ferdinand against Star Wars. What were they thinking? I mean, this is, must be like... They're hoping for the uh, the alternative crowd, the parents who have children that are under the age of one who can't sit through a laser movie. Yeah, I'm looking up Blue Sky's cinematography here. Yeah, they did do the the Peanuts movie. They're also the people behind Ice Age. They did the the Rio duology or whatever you call a movie with two. They also did, I believe, Epic was a. Uh, I liked Epic. I think that wasn't that a George Lucas project. All I remember is Beyonce was in it. Right, <laughs> that's the one I'm thinking of. Right. The epic is the one with the fairies and stuff. In the midst of a fantastical war between the forces of growth and decay. Yes, yes. Epic is actually a good movie. I like it. It's kind of sad we never got a sequel. Um, I think it's because no one bothered seeing it. Oh, but I have the Blu-ray. Because it was an Ice Age. Yeah, that's true. That seems to be the only thing Blue Sky puts out that actually gets people out of their seats or out of their houses. I mean, I don't, I don't watch the Ice Age movies. I watch the... Uh, the, the first one's the, not bad, and then they just... Are progressively like significantly worse. Well, I only watched the supercuts for was it Scrap or whatever his name is, the little uh, squirrel S- thingy. Scrat, Scrat, yeah, the little squirrel thingy trying to get the nut. I would yeah. watch it for that because I love him. <laughs> but I'm not going to go watch a 90 minute Ray Romano movie so that I can see you know 45 seconds of him. John like Wazamo talking with a lisp as a sloth. I always forget that he that's him. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, yeah, back on topic. So, <laughs> Star Wars has some stiff competition with Ferdinand. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to John Cena and uh, yeah, John Leguizamo. You're doing fantastic. Keep acting. Apparently, and sp- you've had it like a 30 year career. Keep it on. <laughs> Speaking of great animations and properties owned by Disney, 
Disney is very soon to most likely be the ones to acquire. That's a lot of really weird pretenses mm-hmm. that I just threw in there. Um, Disney is reportedly acquiring 21st Century Fox properties, namely their movie division and several TV divisions uh, like FX and FXX, which is reported to be valued at about $60 billion. Sounds about right. But Disney is also bidding, so they might be bidding on more than the $60 billion. Yeah, I don't see Disney losing this bidding war. Um, There's, they, they seem to have backed off, and then rumor was Universal took a pass at it, and then WB wanted Warner to... Warner Brothers split. tried to yeah. get in on the action, too, and then Disney yeah. just kind of swooped in and was just like, oh, hell no! Yeah. I mean, if at this point, I just kind of wonder if it's just going to become a piecemeal kind of thing, like, we'll take back this part, other people can have this crap, you know, but... Or I could see them just dissolving it or absorbing it into other things. Yeah. I think having FXX in their property line would be pretty great because that's currently that's Fox's like AMC yep. sort of thing, uh, of where they show they just show really bad movies yeah. like constantly on that network. Yeah, it's either mixtures of um, I think FXX. I think that's Baskets, which is that um, uh, that guy from The Hangover who I don't like. Um, his weird TV show uh, Galifianakis. Um, with I hear Louis Anderson's is nice on that though. And they have that. I think that's where they're trying to um, slow kill um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That guy moved onto there. And then every single night, there's like a five-hour block of The Simpsons. Uh, Which is amazing. I love oh, that. I do, too. The only thing that bothers me is someone pointed out that the animation, they cut the 4x3 to fit a 16x9, so mm-hmm. everything's slightly smaller and stretched. Yeah. And now that I've noticed that, I can't unsee it. <laughs> But, I mean, if Disney's going to acquire it, I hope Disney does because I would love to see what they actually could do with the Fantastic Four and the X-Men Galacticus and um, how would they incorporate uh, incorporate the Scarlet Witch, Magneto. Would they actually use him? Would they actually keep any of the actors? There's a thousand questions I would not get answered for years. I don't think the actors would no. get any... Unless, like, they're holding off on naming Avengers 4 only because they knew this transaction may go down mm. and Avengers 4 will end up being a big blend of the universes. But even then, I hope not. I just, I would like to see them like fully recast except for Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Like somehow his Deadpool survives whatever happens. Oh. And they, I would love to see if they even like maybe just move the, uh, the Marvel stuff to the Fox division that they would be mm. having and just put Marvel in charge of all that. And mm. like, then Deadpool's just like, hey, how did you guys get here? Yeah, see, I was, I, I'm hoping that they. My hope would be that they let the last Phoenix, whatever the heck, whatever the next one is. Oh, that's gonna be that's gonna that's the Death Flame. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that they just let that movie come out, and then they're like, all right, we're clearing house, we're yeah. starting over, and but yeah, they could cherry pick Ryan Reynolds. They're like. Yeah, your R-rated movies make a lot of money. You can do your own little thing, and then when you come over here, my idea had been that there is a Deadpool Spider-Man movie, but it has to be PG-13. Yeah. And so Deadpool, it gets frustrated because they keep bleeping him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're actually... In, and Or they they use creative ways of like having it covered, like a bus goes by. Yeah. Or, you know, they're on a train and they, they honk the horn. See, I would love if, like, my my pure insanity version would be, like, they end up in, like, this really bloody gunfight in a strip club. And everything's like pixelated, but Spider-Man and like Deadpool, <laughs> so you can't actually see anything. There's like lots of bleeps, nothing makes sense, and it's just them and and like Spider-Man's commentary. Of, oh my god! Oh no! Oh, you 
kill that guy. Why would you bring me Why here? You... No, cover yourself, please. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to look. <laughs> then after like two or three minutes of that weirdness, they're outside and like Spider-Man's like yakking in a corner and Deadpool's like, did any of that get past it? No? <laughs> the MPAA? No? Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> the only, uh, the one outlier that I find kind of interesting is that um, for the next like three thousand four hundred twenty-five days, they're going to be shooting um, Avatar two, three, four, and five, which rumored to be cost a billion dollars. Whether or not that Marvel comes in, I mean not Marvel, but that Disney comes in and kind of pulls the plug quietly on that. But they do have Avatar Land, and a few of my friends have been to Disney World this year and actually gone to it and said it's beautiful and looks amazing. The animatronics, the ride, the world just fits so well and looks wonderful within the uh, Animal Kingdom. So maybe they're not going to kill it. I don't think I they don't would know. kill it. I think because they have a, a relationship with James Cameron, I think that might be one of the reasons why they were so interested in getting this these properties. Because with the acquisition of Fox, uh, yes, Disney gets Marvel and the fan, or the Marvel properties that Fox owns back, but they also get properties like Predator, Alien, and Avatar, and then also interestingly enough, like Kingsman. But yeah, they they would get like these properties under their their banner. You know, they, if they have Avatar, that means they can expand even more. Uh, the acquisition would probably not be really finalized until 2019, I would guess, which yeah. is just in time for Star Wars Land to open up in both Disneyland and Disney World. But it's it's exciting because mainly for me, it means I hopefully, as long as George Lucas doesn't have any weird clauses in the uh, his contract about DVD releases, it means we get our legitimate releases of the star wars trilogy exactly i don't mind the special editions i i actually grew up on the special editions that came out in the the late 90s mm -hmm. uh where they did that like year-long release of episode four five and six that was the first time i ever was introduced to star wars mm -hmm. i saw empire strikes back on wgn a bunch of times but it i always saw the beginning on hoth i did not know what that movie was because i was 1997 i was 12 yeah and it, so I, I like none of that had really resonated because i was spending most of my time on nickelodeon and so i'd see this stuff on wgn and i'd like what is this and this is before we had dvr boxes and stuff too mm -hmm. that told us what was on tv we literally had to have the wgn banner come like <laughs> coming up next our presentation of star wars the empire <laughs> strikes back so I, I never caught that i just saw this weird ice planet with this weird like bipedal monster with a man riding on his back which is a tauntaun by the way if you didn't catch that <laughs> and i was just like what the hell is this i would change the channel and then i went and saw that in the theater the special edition in the theaters with my dad for the re-release and i was like oh this is that movie i was lucky enough to even though about the same age as you i grew up untainted because i had a cousin that introduced me to his vhs copies of the original which was great because he was a complete jerk about it. Because we watched the first one, he's like, "Oh, this is one of the movies I love," and you know, we watch it. And it's like, "Oh, it's great, that's fantastic." And then like six months later, he's like, "Oh yeah, they have a sequel. Did you know?" And we watched <laughs> that, and like, "Whoa, that was amazing!" And then I'm like, "I wonder if they ever like got around to making another one." He's like, "Oh yeah," and then he, I'm like, "Well, why are we watching?" He's like, "I don't feel like it." <laughs> Then, like, next time I visited this him. This cousin's done it. this to you a couple of times, because yeah. I think you told me this about the, the Indiana Jones movies as well. Yeah. My cousin was a dick. 
That's the reason why I haven't talked to him in like 14 years. <laughs> but no, and then uh, my friend Jack and I, we went and saw all, all three the re-releases, special editions, which of course at that age, I thought it was every edition was fantastic. And then I became you know, an older teenager. I became cultured about how he was ruining the franchise. <laughs> the, the only thing in the special editions that I think are completely unnecessary are changing the Han shot first moment yep. and adding the Jabba the Hutt moment in A New Hope. The music moment in Return of the Jedi, while it is not very good, it's not awful. No. And it just it's not it's it's not awful, it's not good. It it just it's a runtime pattern. The only thing that bothers me truly about the um the edits is um if I was in you know the top three things or four things annoyed me. The no scream in Return of the Jedi is not needed. Which that's not from that's, the nineteen ninety seven re releases. That's though. like from That's the, from the Blu ray release. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, I don't remember fully at this That point. moment has made Return of the Jedi completely unwatchable for me. Yeah. The the blinking Ewoks is also super weird. That's creepy because it's, they, I don't know why they went with, like, plastic animation. Because it's not, like, a natural tone. It looks like they grabbed, like, a puppet and then, like, flicked its, like, yeah, blink exactly. When Yeah, exactly. When, when my wife and I went to uh, Disney World last year, we went and saw Mickey... And he he had those kind of blinks, but you could also hear like a shutter click as yeah. he blinked. It was super weird. I'm like, thank God my kid's not old enough to notice that because that would ruin the illusion for her. Why does Mickey blink so loudly? Well, see that. So I like I said, I watch Dancing with the Stars, and they always have a Disney week each season, mm-hmm. and they always have Mickey and Minnie there, and it works for them because they're already cartoon creatures and like their head bobbles and they blink and it's not like a rhythmic blink it's always a slightly thrown off blink and so that works however it doesn't work when you hold a still frame on the ewok it just yeah tnt i think had a a star wars marathon going not too long ago and jedi was on and they got to the the speeder scene on endor it's the fourth moon of Endor. I, so that always confused me on a tangent on top of a tangent on top yeah. of a tangent that we're on. So is it the fourth moon of the planet Endor? So like they're literally on a moon. They're not on the planet Endor or on the moon Endor. So they're technically like where the question. Ewoks are from is not technically Endor. They're from the fourth moon of the planet Endor. I'm pretty sure like we've been getting it wrong all this time, or at least the, the laymen. I'm sure there's plenty of Star Wars people out there that have like, yeah, where have you been? But I, I watched it, and they're talking about the fourth moon of the planet Endor. In my mind, that tells me the Ewoks are not from Endor. They're from the fourth moon on the planet Endor. Well, it just, like, how does a moon have an atmosphere and everything? Like, we, there's a lot of stuff in there that doesn't make a lot of sense, because that means that this was a planet once, and it got sucked into the gravitational pull of this planet called Endor, and now it's a moon of Endor. And how did it get the number of the number four? Like, is it just the fourth one down? Is it the fourth one up? You're right. Because I'm like, okay, taking Wikipedia as God. Which Empire nerd be- Wikipedia is relatively very accurate. The Empire begins operations on the moon of Endor. It ignores the primitive Ewoks. I've always thought that they were on Endor. So they're on a, the fourth moon of Endor, which means that these Ewoks have grown on their own. So it's a weird maybe yeah. that maybe that'll be the Obi-Wan movie. They'll explain how the the Ewoks got from the planet of Endor to the moon or how the moon of Endor's like has an atmosphere and a uh, an ecosystem. Huh. Interesting. Uncle Owen and Obi-Wan going on their adventure to Endor, the fourth moon of Endor. It's got to be a giant ass moon though because 
it looks like the second Star Destroyer, which is like supposedly two or three times the size of the first one, which was already mistaken for a moon, is like Sir- Death Star. You said Star Destroyer. Did I say Star? Oh, Death Star. There you Bad go. Star Wars fan. Yeah. Right. Okay. The other thing that bothers me about the re-releases is yes, the Hound Shot first. We all agree with that. The token um, job of the hut, bad animation, stepping on his tail scene. We That's what bothers me about that. Like, if that scene, if the animation were better on that scene, it would be fine. It, it fits. Yeah. It doesn't, it sets up something later. Well, the thing about it is that they didn't need to have him step on his tail. They could have showed him, like, with his tail curled or something, and he just kind of, like, brushes back. But I love and hate the token Boba Fett nod of, like, out of nowhere, they just have him walk in front of the screen and, like, nod at the screen, like, yeah, I exist here. That bothers me, and yet I'm like, yay, Boba Fett. Yeah, well, what the hell was that? That scene was actually filmed, and they were they replaced Jabba over uh, the original actor, who was just some fat dude in a fur coat. Yeah. And uh, so, like, that, that Boba Fett moment was supposed to kind of, again, be more of a, an allusion to something coming later. Yeah. It's just the entrance into um, Mos Eisley. I, I hate that entire bit. Oh, where they're like kind uh, of roaming through the, the streets yeah, and you got yeah. the, the giant brontosaurus thing. The, and then the, the slapstick the, crap happening. Yeah. And you can tell that is not, they didn't even bother like taking like a still reference photo of the three of them on the speeder. It's just like they like grabbed one of the toy sets and <laughs> took a picture and went, good enough. But yeah. Anyway. Let's hope Fox does well. Yeah. So Disney Fine. Disney is in, pretty much in the final stages of getting this deal done because the, what is it, the Rupert, Murdo- Rupert, Mur- Rupert Murdoch's sons yep. are the ones who are trying to, they basically just want to do Fox News and Fox Sports. Yeah, that's they, that's like what they want. And, you know, more power to them if they think they can make a lot of money doing that. Yeah. Um, $60 billion would certainly help. I yeah. mean, I don't know what the heck they're going to do. I mean, sports is, in theory, on the decline, but whatever. So, moving on to things in the decline, uh, Quentin Tarantino is set to direct an R-rated Star Trek film. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> this is... Uh, and I just learned today that apparently Star Trek Discovery, or as STD, as many of us like to call it, I don't know where they're going to go with it, especially trying... I don't know how they're going to handle Anton Yelkin's death and getting rid of yeah. Chekhov. And they want to, because Chris Hemsworth is a hot property, they want to bring him back, which is like, okay. Have you, have you rewatched that since you know who he is? Yeah. Like the beginning scene? I, it threw me off when someone's like, oh, yeah, yo, Thor, he's, a, he's, a, he's his dad from Star Trek. I'm like, what? No, that's a really tall, lanky dude. <laughs> and then I rewatch him, I'm like, holy crap, this is what he looks like before he put on like 90 pounds of muscle. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think at that point he was also a soap opera star in Australia. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was kind of strange. But, yeah, a, a Tarantino R-rated Star Trek, like, I don't need any of that violence and language that's going to come in, come with a, a Tarantino project. And I just found out today, uh, before we got off the tangent, this is where I was going, <laughs> I just found out today that apparently they drop F-bombs in Star Trek Discovery, yep. and I watched the scene where they did it the first time, and that is so forced. Oh, it's bad. That's so bad. Like, they do this. That's the cats. <laughs> <laughs> they do this techno babble. And like you were saying, like they just go over the top of this techno babble. Like 90 seconds of it. Yeah. And then, like, one of the. A, a cadet just goes, That's fucking awesome. And it's so forced and it's so bad and so poorly acted and delivered. And then they come back and they're like, That is fucking awesome. <laughs> Why? Like, yeah, I get it. They're military, technically. Although, technically, they're also not military because they aren't supposed to be, like, seeking out war. They're supposed to be going out and discovering new worlds. 
it, it just, they're explorers. I, I know I'm one of the like three people on the planet who's not exactly a Tarantino fan, but I, I would be kind of interested if he was pitching something because I know he does love older movies and over TV older TV shows, and he has these weird things like he directed a um, an episode of CSI, and he seems to have these weird passions, but that they came out in public and went Tarantino. I'm like, mm, that's kind of weird, but okay. R. We're guaranteeing an R rating here. You're just riding the Logan train. (laughs) Okay, why? From the Revenant writer. Okay. And J.J. Abrams loved it. I'm like, these are all hidden things. I'm like, (laughs) why? Why do we need this? The the third one, Star Trek Beyond, was actually pretty decent because you were letting um, Simon Pegg, who loves Star Trek, actually kind of massage the script and make it more about adventure in the community of the crew and betterment and protecting the foundation of civilization i don't want to know what the hell they're going to do with an r-rated script just be like all right cool we're going to go obviously we're going to get some war and we're going to get some cursing and we're going to have to really show those bodies exploding in space yeah that's going to be nice (laughs) yeah i i don't know what to expect from it i i think i might go see it more out of curiosity than anything else uh, but at the same time, I'm not the biggest Tarantino fan. I did really enjoy Django Unchained. I was not a huge fan of Inglorious Bastards. I, like, outside of Christoph Waltz, I don't get the love of that movie. I, I don't really get Pulp Fiction. I don't, mm. I don't get a lot of his stuff. And so this is, this is not what I want to hear for my Star Trek movies. But no, I'm, I'm not the one making these decisions. And I guess because people, the internet needs... Uh, all these R-rated things now because Logan did so well. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think pa- uh, Patrick Stewart also came out and said, if Tarantino's doing it, I'd be willing to come back as Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> like, oh, you just need to drop more F-bombs like you did with Professor X? I love Patrick Stewart, but occasionally I do kind of go like, you're in it for the money right now, right? I mean, I understand you're, you're a guy who is enjoying this amazing career that took off in your late 40s, but... You're doing this for the money. <laughs> Definitely at least the emoji movie. Yeah. Oh, oh that's right. <laughs> Damn it. Although he does have a great sense of humor, so yeah. I'm sure he saw the, like, he read the parts of the script that they wanted him to read, mm-hmm. and he's like, seems like fun, sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, he does he did stuff with um, American Dad. I don't know how much he still does with American oh, Dad. No, it, he's, um, I still watch it, and he still does stuff on it. It's great because... TBS, for some reason, has given them a little bit more license to be a little more, I don't know. Crass. Crude. Yeah, crass. Crude's not the right word. More, a little more crass. So they can get away with quite a bit more. And he, you can tell he loves doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's against. It's and against, that's, yeah. that's one of the reasons why I really want to see some behind-the-scenes stuff from the original Lego movie. I just want to see Morgan Freeman read these lines. You know, <laughs> it's it's true because it rhymes. <laughs> yeah. you know, just, I just want to see how much fun they're having with those lines. Oh, no. I completely agree. Uh, so Tarantino movie, definitely not looking forward to that uh, with Star Trek. If it was like just a Tarantino movie, let's see what the, the subject matter is. But it's yeah. Tarantino and Star Trek. I don't know if those two worlds should ever collide. Well, the, the guaranteed R rating thing is the thing that bothers me the most. It's like they're not even going to try to fit the universe. They're just like, we'll make the universe fit his style. Our last bit of news before we start getting into kind of more. This is the last bit of our appetizers. And the main yeah. course is coming up here after this. John Hamm is reportedly in talks to replace Ben Affleck as Batman in the DC movie universe. Now, John Hamm is a fine actor. Mm-hmm. He has a Bruce Wayne look. I could definitely see it, mm-hmm. but he does not fit in this universe. <laughs> he 
is a little bit more lanky. Like he can be, he can be buff. He can get ripped, but he can't get as big as Ben Affleck did. And if they throw him in those muscle suits that they had him in in Justice League, mm-hmm. he's going to look absolutely ridiculous when he's <laughs> not in those muscle suits. I like John Hamm. I um, find him he, to me. He's one of those actors who I'm never quite sure why he didn't connect. I don't know if like his agent sucks or he just sucks at picking scripts. But I, I like John Hamm. The few things I've seen him in outside of that crappy TV show that everybody gave love and attention to, but nobody watched, whatever that was. Um, Mad Men. There you go. <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't get behind that show. Uh, my wife and I recently watched it on Netflix. Very well acted, oh, yeah. but it's very um, Sorkin is Sorkin esque, where Sorkin like Aaron Sorkin yeah. uh, kind of thing, where you have like this asshole lead that you're supposed to connect with, who's really kind of a bad guy. Yeah, and like the entire show revolves around him. I'm just like, I don't like. I don't like trying to relate to these kind of people. I watched. I think the first two seasons. Because for some reason Amazon had like the first three seasons on sale for each Blu-ray was ten bucks, and so I bought them all. So I bought them, and I think I have the fourth and fifth one too because they did the same thing at once upon a time. So I'm like, okay, cool, this is an important show. I'm gonna watch it, and I got through the first season, season half, whatever, and I just stopped watching because I was like, one, I wasn't enjoying it. Two, there was no plot. It would just seem like it seemed like it was a writing exercise, like the as a stream of consciousness, like let's follow every minute detail of this person's life. And I never got it. I was just like, oh, yeah. Okay. And that—that that was mean, another I, thing. Like, there's there's drama, but there's no real story. No, it's just you're watching this person's day to day life, and mm. you're watching how his life unfolds while he's getting a divorce, and then how he kind of rebounds, and then the the, the way the show ends is really weird. Like, he ends up in a hippie like, commune. Yeah, in like <laughs> a, a hippie commune, which is completely out of his character, which I guess is the point. Like, he's finally just thrown his hands up and said i can't be this guy anymore so i'm gonna try this uh but it's really weird and it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me but people love that that show yeah, i thought he was good on it i think he it wasn't bridesmaid he was in it was some other movie with similar writing so whatever uh, he was also in a, like keeping up with the joneses with gal gadot yeah yeah, yeah. which was fine it was <laughs> I, it had some funny moments but among other things like I don't buy Isla Fisher being married to Zach Galifianakis. Not in the least. Especially being like a, a girl next door wife. Like she's like, no, that's that's definitely not how that, that woman's life would turn out. Oh, Baby Driver. He was in Baby Driver too. I, I still haven't seen Baby Driver, um, but that, that has inspired a, a topic that we will do for another time. <laughs> um, John Hamm is, I, among other things, I don't know why we need to keep going back to the old Batman Push off the Batman franchise movies until after you do The Flash. Finally get a director for The Flash. Uh, get someone who's just willing to reboot the universe with what the results of the movie will be. And make Batman younger. Like, whatever The Flash did makes Batman younger somehow. And bring in someone who's in their late 20s, early 30s. And just go on from there acting like nothing else has changed. I don't, I, I don't understand the reason other than maybe he just has... Maybe they're doing a casting decision like they did with George Clooney, where they kind of like held up, like looked at the chin and went, "Yeah, that that's gonna work." <laughs> I, don't uh, know. I mean, I, I I'll take his um, I'll take it because I like John Hamm. I want him to have, actually have a, a shot at actually hitting that A list status and actually see what kind of his passion projects would be and what he would bring to it. But I just don't get why Affleck is so desperate to just run away. You signed a contract, dude. At least see it out for like five movies. <laughs> I don't know. I 
I just, I don't see John Hamm fitting into that universe. And plus, this universe doesn't seem to really know how to handle Batman. They nailed the, the Dark Knight Returns fight in Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. But then in the, the Doomsday fight of that, he's just sitting off on the side with a grenade launcher. And then they do the exact same thing in Justice League, where he's sitting off on the side of the silo that they're in, and he's shooting a gun. Which, you know, everyone loves Batman shooting a grenade launcher and a gun. So it, they they clearly just don't know what to do with him, especially in this world of super-powered godlike creatures like Superman and Wonder Woman. Uh, so it's it's just weird. Like I think they just need to step away from Batman and let the the rest of the universe kind of ride out and form, and then bring Batman into it, and maybe just put him in Justice League as even uh, aerial support. Like he can just call out where things are. Just put him in the Batplane and have him fly around, and then he can do some cool maneuvers like uh, Poe Dameron. I don't know. Something. Apparently, Affleck is uh, doing his bi-quarterly uh, I'm in, I'm out stuff with the Batman. <laughs> Moving on to uh, our entree here, we have a couple of new trailers that we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm going to flip this on you just because I feel like the first one I have listed is probably a more in-depth conversation. Yep. The first trailer we're going to talk about is Alita Battle Angel. I honestly thought this was a uh, sequel to Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, through the first like 15 seconds of the trailer. It It's heavily CGI'd. The, the character animation fits pretty well with what was done in there. Mm-hmm. Just obviously looks like improvements. She's just not as pale. And then the rest of the, the trailer unfolds, and it's interesting but it's at the same time it's like i've already kind of seen this in ghost in the shell and then the animation becomes a video game and it's just it's really hit and miss and then there's there's one scene in particular in the first part of the first half of the trailer where the alita is on a a motorcycle with some guy who i'm going to get into this in a little bit but she gets really clingy with really fast in the trailer But they're they're on this motorcycle, and his hair is kind of swooping in the wind. Like you can tell, his his hair is pretty heavily gelled because nothing else is moving, yeah. or they've only got fans on like the lower half, and that's all that's blowing. <laughs> um, but her hair is like staying perfectly still. Yeah, and I'm just true. like, hopefully you fix that in post, because not that everyone's gonna notice, but that's it's pretty weird. bad considering you're supposed to be on a motorcycle going pretty fast. No, I, I, this is James Cameron's long gestating. I don't know if it's a passion project or not, but he's talked about it off and on for like the last 20 years, but he's never found the time or impulse to do it. And it's based off of a manga anime that only had like 12 issues or something like that, but he loved it and fell in love with it. He fell in love with it and wanted to make it and he bought the rights and he's gone through like, I don't know, dozens of versions of the script because he's talked about making it many, many times. And then I, I don't know what happened. I mean, I guess Avatar took over his life, or there's a scripts right issue coming up where he's, they're finally going to expire. But it seemed like out of nowhere he went, oh, yes, Robert Rodriguez is the man for this. And gave it to him, and I don't know what the heck I'm looking at. It looks like someone took the actress's face, stretched it out, Disney princess style. Yeah, the first thing I saw when I saw her face was like, is that Rapunzel from Tangled? Yeah, and then threw Christoph Waltz and Jennifer Connelly in the same room with her and went act. Is that who that was? <laughs> the the girl, the other girl with the robotic arms. Was that Jennifer Connelly? No, Jennifer Connelly. They say and Jennifer Connelly, and they show her like standing in a crowd with a little like little gem in her head. I'm not quite sure what I'm seeing because it looks like this is some kind of not dang it that movie with Hugh Jackman where they find the robot. Real Steel. Real Steel. I love that movie. 
Thank you. <laughs> Love that movie, but I can't bother to think of the title. Well, they never gave me a sequel, man. <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't need a sequel. It's Robot Rocky. And it was fantastic. It was. It was actually very enjoyable. And they can bring back Carl Weathers for the second one. <laughs> Is he still alive? Uh, he, the actor is still alive, okay. but he's not alive in the Rocky universe. That's why we have the Apollo Creed son. Uh, really good Creed movie. Like I just yeah. recently watched that for the first time, and holy crap, I lo- that movie was really good. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. They've waited so long, we can get Michael B. Jordan in there. <laughs> so I was, I'm looking at this going, like, we've seen this. It's the whole find a robot... Um, you know, find a robot that's not quite working, bring it to life, fall in love with it, let it explore, and then in other robots try to beat it up. I'm like, I, it, it was, it's, I don't know what I'm looking at here. It's relatively s- similar. It, it gives me vibes of like AI, artificial intelligence, because mm-hmm. I guess it they're trying to raise some kind of philosophical point as well, because you hear Christoph Waltz talking about how this is just a body. It's not inherently good or bad. The rest is up to you. And I, I guess she's supposed to go out and try and find her memories because she was just this discarded robot corpse yep. in the middle of a junkyard and Christoph Waltz rebuilt her and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't remember you. Am I supposed to know you? And he's like, nope, this is the first time we're ever meeting. I don't know, it just seems odd and I don't fully understand what they're going for with the story, which I mean, that's kind of the point of the trailer is to build intrigue. I hope they fix a lot of this in post because I, I get that they're kind of going for an Avatar thing where it's kind of a big blend of a CGI world with real live actors, there's there's some really bad CGI moments in this, uh, but I, before I forget, I do want to get into this. There's a scene where she's looking at this guy that she meets, it, who looks like Dylan McDermott, but I'm not sure if it is him or not. I don't think it is. She's she's talking with him, and I guess she's already fallen in love with him in the five seconds she's met him in the trailer, and she's just like, "I would give you everything," and she pulls out her little metallic heart, or not her her not so little metallic heart, and she's like, "I would even give you my heart." And if I were him, I'd be like, whoa, lady, back off. We just met. <laughs> of course, we don't know where this is in the trailer. Not but or in, Within the movie, but in the trailer context, it seems like they just met. And that's just really creepy. She, like, that's, that's beyond the Disney, like, we just met. We should get married. Like, she's literally handing him control of her life in that moment. And it's just, what now? Uh, apparently, it's a dude named King Johnson. Um, but also so we know that uh, Francis is also in this movie, uh, also known as Ajax. <laughs> and so is Jackie Earl Haley, hmm. apparently. I'm assuming those are jackholes that are trying to capture her, <laughs> just based off the cast. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure uh, Ajax is, uh, is the big robot guy that she grabs his throat joint thing. Holy crap. Um, this is a Fox production. Oh, so Disney will own the rights to this soon. Rumor is $200 million budget. Holy crap. Well, if it's a James Cameron project, even though he's not directing it. I... They're going to lose so much money on this. Yeah, I mean... And it's coming out in July, too. July 20th. Yeah. Oh, hey, just in time for my birthday. I won't go see it. I might. I'll probably go see it. I will need something to talk about in the podcast. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what they're thinking releasing this in the middle of the summer. July 20th is typically a uh, an, a Chris Nolan movie kind of deal. So there's some really nice shots, but there's also yeah. some really bad shots. And, like, there's a really weird scene where she's, like, fighting someone and, like, they shoot tentacles at her. Uh, metallic tentacles. Yeah. And it just, like, the CGI just looks bad. Like, it, it looks Neo and Matrix Reloaded bad. 
Well, the thing that bothers me about it is that, you know, Avatar is, what, almost 10 years old now? Mm-hmm. And it is 10 years old. Oh, it came out it? in 2007. Oh, okay. I haven't watched it in the last, like, two or three years. I mean, I would watch it every you know, once or twice a year at first. And I just remember there's one part in that movie. So he was very, very intelligent when he made that movie. I know a lot of people trashing out. But he was very intelligent in that he kept the Avatar world and the human world apart. And that when he was in the Avatar world, it was that video game kind of beautiful cutscene, glowing stuff, cool. And then, of course, there was the human world. And they only intermingled at that last scene where, what is it, that he's dying in the little pod thingy. And then she goes in, rescues him, puts the mask on, and she picks him up. That would have completely destroyed the emotional resonance of the movie if Cameron hadn't nailed the blending of her size and her CGI to his body to however he did because he did a lot of stuff. I mean, yes, it's a lot of green screen, but there's a lot of props, a lot of stuff moving. And there was that scene where she picks him up and puts a gas mask on him. I mean, the face mask on him, and it doesn't break the reality because he blended it just enough. 20 seconds into this trailer, I'm like, I'm out because she looks so bizarre. Like real doll matted with a little, you know, a little video game rendering. And all of a sudden, crystal clear. And her mouth is super sp- small, too. Yeah, it's it's too bizarre. And I mean, obviously, they're going to fix it. They have eight months to do the production and get it all smoothed out and corrected. I am just was immediately that Uncanny Valley real doll look threw me out. And I'm like, I don't think I want to see another piece of this trailer. one of my one of my favorite uh comic creators on uh twitter uh i think it was jonathan hickman um it's either jonathan hickman or charles Soule, but i'm pretty sure it's jonathan hickman uh tweeted out a, a picture of a sex doll <laughs> who looks identical to the the main an- protagonist of this movie that's creepy and it's just like oh my god moving on we also have another trailer which is um a much more notable trailer in my opinion the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom trailer. One, just to get it off my chest, this trailer did absolutely nothing for me. It was a very bland and very uninspired trailer, in my opinion. For the way it opens, you have an innocuous record player get, uh, going, like you have the the needle going onto the record, which that could be any current movie right now. That could be uh, from the Silver Linings Playbook guy to just an indie movie to to whatever. So you're you're already like well, what movie is this? And then you start off with, or you follow that up with a shot of a pool table with a Budweiser logo. So you're like, what is this, Transformers? <laughs> Which I know they're Bud Light. <laughs> PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> and then you cut to Owen and Claire, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, talking about how they've broken up and Claire's dating some new jackhole. Like, oh yeah, that's what I want in my Jurassic Park trailer <laughs> is relationship drama. That's what I was missing. For a couple that I did not care for in the other one, mm-hmm. like the, the relationship thing was just tacked on at the end where they were like, we need to stick together. And then they hold hands like, oh. And then the rest of the trailer is just showing off like what the primary plot point is, which is getting the island, the, the dinosaurs off the island and preventing them from going through another extinction level event, which is uh, one. Do they know that they... Did, did John Hammond know he was building his Jurassic Park on a like a dormant volcano or a, a sleeping <laughs> volcano? And two, if he didn't, this is a really convenient plot point that, oh, all of a sudden there's a volcano on uh, Isla Nublar and we have to go get all of these dinosaurs off. And now it's a race against time movie. 
instead of just like evacuating movie. There, there's one part of the trait that actually really works for me, and that is—is uh, is it the end? No, it's a, um, it's Ian Malcolm speaking, and he's like in court giving the whole. Oh, you mean the scene where he's rehashing his line from the first movie? Yes, that works for me. Here's the thing, because it's good in the first movie. Exactly, but here's what I'm hoping. I'm literally really hoping because Goldblum black and um, black back, <laughs> and I'm really really hoping because they had to pay him a crap ton of money to come back. I'm really hoping that he actually isn't involved with the island at all. It's just they occasionally cut to him in court. <laughs> and he's like talking to them. And it's like this super weird, like, like you know, like, oh, my God, Jeff Goldblum's like, what's he going to do? Is he going to be on the island? Is he going to revisit stuff? Because, you know, because he was the best part of the second movie with the whole like, oh, yeah, now it's all ooh and ahs. But then later there's running and screaming. <laughs> 100%. That courtroom scene with Goldblum is either the very beginning oh, of the I'm movie. Sorry. Yeah. It's either literally we open in the courtroom, mm -hmm. which they did not learn their lesson from Iron Man 2 because <laughs> people do not care about Congress he congressional hearings, <laughs> or it's the very end. Like yeah. it's it's one or the other. It, it's not anywhere in between. See, here's the thing that bothers me: is this movie is literally the second Jurassic Park movie because the second Jurassic Park except movie, with the volcano. Well, no, no, no. I, I can explain what the volcano is. The second Jurassic Park movie starts with a courtroom scene, remember? Chapter 11, they're taking him through. He's no longer the majority owner, and now it's a bit place with somebody else. And it also ends with the court thing of the whole, like, the island is now a preserve and being protected. So that covers Jeff Goldblum. Here's the thing. The other thing. This, this movie is about capturing the dinosaurs to protect them, and that means they must hunt them down. The second movie is about... Protecting the dinosaurs from being captured and hunted down. So the volcano is now literally... The thing that is hunting them. Yeah, the thing that's hunting them. And is the hunters from the second movie. Except not as interesting. No, because if, if my analogy works out right, that means the volcano explodes somewhere around the end of the second act. And then they're getting them away, and I'm really, really hoping that all those those we see the various containers, like they captured the Rex and stuff like that. And I'm really hoping they're going to like Isla Sonar, the second movie's island, the second island, where or they, they're going to San Diego and they break out again. <laughs> I don't think they would do that. It would be fantastic. I that's that's I think that's the number one thing that I want to know is like where are they taking these dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Uh, because they they have acknowledged that they are pretty much ignoring Jurassic Parks two and three, yeah. which I can definitely understand three. The two. first two acts of Jurassic Park two are solid; they're yeah, yeah. they're good. Uh, but then when you get to the to the di the T Rex running around San Diego, it becomes a very different movie, and that kind of ruins it. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like yeah, this is this is kind of what would happen. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I had heard some interview somewhere where they actually were talking about Jurassic World and like he was filming like Schindler's List around the same time. He was working no wait, he was working on post production, I believe, for Schindler's List. He basically was kind of like remote directing, like he'd be like, Yeah, this angle is what I would do. Sure. And then, like, you look at the dailies and go, that looks like me. Or something <laughs> like that. That's what the rumor I heard, which would kind of explain why, you know, he's in the middle of this emotional movie. And then he would just go, like, we're in San... What's our runtime? 73. We need to get to, what, 102 minute? I think I can film a T-Rex for 30 minutes running around. <laughs> Let's make the big 76 Let's have him drink some chlorine water out of a pool. Yeah. You know, uh, eat a dog. <laughs> 
Um, but they, among other things, they, they were talking about how they're putting a huge emphasis on uh, puppeteering and bringing back practical effects for these movies. I could not tell you a single shot in that entire trailer that was likely practical effect. I think I could notice a few, and one of them I'm pretty damn sure is the T-Rex in the, uh, in the cargo container. That, but then again, it's not moving. But so that would be easy to puppeteer. And it, there's one or two shots with that um, some large raptor like thing in a room filled with lava that's coming out of like a tube that looks like a. Yeah, it's like, I, I forget. It's a Obryonics or something like yeah. that. Yeah, one of those two looks. Like, Blue still doesn't look right. I mean, he looks better, but that could she. Just, she, sorry. Right. They, they specifically make sure to point out that it, Blue is a she. Uh, which that's another thing like what kind of plot point is blue going to be having because they make a very specific point to mention like oh blue is still on the island are you going to let her die chris pratt among all of the dinosaurs that he wants to save like why is blue more special which reminds me there's another weird thing that bothers me why do they i don't understand why they show blue as a as a baby I mean, is it to make you like, oh, he raised her? Yeah, we got that in the first one. He specifically mentioned it like six but times. But because now we've seen Blue as a baby, we're attached. I was, I'm was i attached to Blue because Blue was badass. Blue rolled a, rolled a T-Rex me. and into battle. Don't remind me about that shit. Blue stupid. matched him in the eyes, let him take off that little trip container thingy that was on his head. That little camera. Them. Yeah. His GoPro. Yeah, his, his GoPro. He hopped up on the T-Rex. He fought the Indominus Rex. They Stop kept, reminding me of that. <laughs> don't forget, at the end of the movie, they looked at each other across the, the plaza, nodded the head thing, and they went off on their own way. Because, you know, they're cool like that. So <laughs> Mutual respect. It's Ivan Drago and Rocky at the end of Rocky Four. Exactly. He's like, we did a good job. <laughs> if you can change, then and I can change, change, and he can change, we, we can, can all change. change. <laughs> Shut up, Blue. <laughs> It's not what I want in my Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> uh, God. That's not, so staying in. I'm now picturing the, um, was it Jurassic Park 3? The, the boss raptor goes, Alan. I'm now picturing Alan. <laughs> we can change. You can change. We can all change. Or maybe that's what Dr. Grant like blew to them in the, the little voice box thing that he 3D printed. That would be fantastic. Uh, so yeah it's not good <laughs> yeah jurassic park trailer not very it's very whelming um it's not overwhelming it's not good it's just there i was whelmed <laughs> yes exactly so uh in, a, in the last bit of news before we start our, our primary topic which our primary topic is actually going to be shorter than our news segment i think yeah. um there's been some really bad news being sent around about Ryan Johnson saying that the, the his trilogy is not going to take place during the Old Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, he was specifically asked, are you going to adapt the Knights of the Old Republic? Yeah. Which he took literally, and he said, oh, they loved Knights of the Old Republic. I played that game when it first came out, and it was like, God, I loved it. Yeah, that's a fantastic game. And I understand it. The instinct to automatically go to something that you know and love that you've already seen. To me, Ryan continues, what's really fun is the notion of what new stuff are we going to see? What new stories can we tell? He doesn't completely discount mm-hmm. the, that they're going to go to the Old Republic. All he says is we're not doing the Knights of the Old Republic. 
I, I basically that's the way I interpret it is that he played that game and then he's like, yeah, that's great, but but I'm not making that. I'm not and, making a video game movie. I'm yeah. not making a trilogy off of a video game. No, and Lights of the Old Republic is a really good game. Lights of the Old Republic two I love. I really I know some people bash it, but I really love the Old Republic MMO. I still play it occasionally. I have a few maxed out characters on it, and the, they continue the story of the Knights of the Old Republic. They bring back Revan. They bring back. They do a lot of the stuff with the holocrons. They make these. They aren't afraid to show you that the um, the Republic has a lot of dark side too. Like one of the darkest stories is if you're playing the uh, if you're playing the trooper storyline, which is a Republic storyline versus the uh, the Sith Empire storyline, and oh, there's a well dark side storyline. And they aren't afraid to shy away from those things. And you make some really weird decisions with it. But I didn't take his rule his thing of saying like Nah, screw that. That's not canon. I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. I, to me, it's just is like, yeah, I'm making movies. I mean, he he didn't deny that it's going to be old. Yeah, it's going to be you know the older public. He didn't you know say it's going to be in a future story. He just said, yeah, it's a good game, which it is. And if he wants to take the bare bones of that and rip it apart, and make it a trilogy, fantastic. If he doesn't, okay. And they've said they've said in the the initial press release that they're going somewhere where we've never seen it go, mm-hmm. and. To me, that means in the movies. Like that's what they're right. focusing on, because Ryan Johnson is a movie director. Right. So in the movies, we have seen the Republic, as Anakin Skywalker knew it. Yep. And we've seen the Empire. So what haven't we seen? The future, which you can't really do the future in Star Wars, because yeah. that kind of unless you're going like super far into the future where the new trilogy doesn't matter, or the like the current nine movies that they're working on don't matter. Right. Or you go to the Old Republic, which is more interesting. Yeah, because you you can build on the lore. You can show the Jedi Sith War. Mm-hmm. You can show like the origin of the the rule of two with the Sith. You can do a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't need to literally make Knights of the Old Republic. If he just wants to set it in the Old Republic, that'd be fantastic because we have the opportunity to actually explore when there is more than two Sith around. This is really the only opportunity we would get to have mass lightsaber battles that aren't clones. You know, that you can actually have an army of Sith or Sith witches or something like that. And you could have an army of Jedi and you could show the threat that these Sith were. He doesn't necessarily need to make... I mean, they're good games, but they're now 15, 16 years old and they're discredited as no longer canon. So he can do whatever he wants. I'm just hoping that he chooses to not focus on a segment of the story, which of the Skywalker canon... Which would mean that he's sitting off over somewhere else. He explores a different part of the galaxy, and someone goes, "Oh yeah, the uh, Empire fell. Some dude with a green lightsaber." And then we get fan service. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're they're going to steer away from the original trilogy stuff and the Skywalker saga, just because I think this the the first movie of Ryan Johnson's trilogy is supposed to come out in like 2020, which is a year after the uh, oh, episode, episode nine. nine. Right, so. Right. I think they're going to want to distance themselves from the the Skywalker trilogy and whatever happens uh, in the new trilogy by the time Episode Nine rolls around. Uh, yeah. Take take Ryan Johnson's quote with a grain of salt. If you see someone share that on Facebook or Twitter or something, just tell them they're stupid and they're wrong because mm-hmm. uh, they clearly did not bother reading the actual quote. I'm still want to see what he's going to do because it looks like if he's plugging his trilogy into that area, that means that the rumored. Obi-Wan or Boba Fett movie isn't coming out that year, most likely. If they stick to the one-year thing, which looks like they're going to do. Yeah, and it, if the, if this movie is coming out in 2020, I, I would be super surprised because they would be... I had the same thing happen earlier. If this movie comes out in 
in 2020, I'd be really surprised because they would have to be in pre-production like right now and they would be needing to cast and be ready to film by the end of 2018. Yep. And then they would need to do all their posts because, I mean, The Last Jedi finished post-production back in October or September. Some, some more like close Like early that. October, I think. Nice. They, they finished post-production before the Justice League did. <laughs> Which, I mean, that that's good. That means they've had time to sit on it and be like, this is what we want. Yep. There, there's a lot. You can't do what Sony's doing with the Venom movie and literally write a script, cast a movie, shoot a movie, and have it sent out in a year. No. And it, Sony's going to suffer for it. No, I, sure. I guarantee you. The Venom movie is going to be the greatest comedy of 2018. Oh, I hope it is. Because that would be hysterical. <laughs> So, yeah, again, Ryan Johnson, his his trilogy, I mean, there's really only so many places you can go. And the number one thing that they can do is the Old Republic. And yep. even if it's subtle little hints towards things, I think whatever he did in The Last Jedi triggered something in him that made him want to tell a story of... Because Luke is all about, it's time for the Jedi to end. Well, why does he think that? He's at the first Jedi Temple. What did he learn at the first Jedi Temple that made him think that the Jedi are no longer necessary? Right. Because I, I think it's just a, I think it's a paradigm shift. I don't think that he's necessarily saying the light side needs to go away. I think he's saying the way I was taught by the Jedi and the way that the Jedi were teaching my father and all that is wrong. We need to we need to change some things. We need to shift and uh, do some strategery. Yeah, I, the, the only thing I really really don't want to see them do is I don't want to see. This is I know this is more of a semantics thing. Because semantics Ky- matter, yeah. Because Kylo Ren is not a Sith; he's a Knight of Ren, which they never. Explained. And they've they've also said Snoke is not a Sith yeah. either. Which Andy Serkis has come out and said that he's not a Sith, and they haven't explained that all in the first movie. So naturally, everyone just goes, "Well, Kylo Ren's the Sith, and that means he has the Red's lightsaber. He must be exactly, and Rey therefore must be a new Jedi or a Force sensitive who will become a Jedi. So I'm really just really hoping he doesn't go down that route of like well the jedi are dead there's really not sith there's the gray area now because the gray jedi piss me off anytime i read a book about it because to me that's just like the whole like hippie dippy like dude the force is not good or bad we're kind of just doing our own thing everybody can have the force you can have the force and we can have force and the force is with us and force binds us and the force connects us and penetrates us and we're all connected to it but it also but, depends on how many bacteria yeah. you have in your bloodstream if you're going to be measured with with that um, that, gl- that glick razor yes <laughs> that's my only fear is that but you know we got what six days until we find that out well, seven for me because I'm probably seeing it Saturday. But yeah. I'm seeing it on Thursday, so I have less time to wait than you. Uh, I'm gonna. I found out there's an 8:30 showing on Saturday morning, so I'll probably be at that. Nice. Yeah. So we will have our, our Jedi review episode hopefully pretty quickly up uh, Sunday or Monday. Yep. Uh, we're working through some some scheduling things, but uh, yeah. yeah, we we will definitely be having our episode eight podcast next week. Um, so moving on. Our main topic for this week, which again is going to be very short because uh, the news took up a lot of our time, and uh, we're just we're just going to kind of revisit episode seven, The Force Awakens, kind of talk about how we feel about it two years later, kind of project where we think episode eight might go, and then if we have a little bit of time, you know, maybe we'll talk about some of our favorite theories that have happened. Yep. But we'll see what what time does for us. So, I went back and I watched The Force Awakens. I think last week or two weeks ago. 
And I think it it actually holds up pretty well. There's some filmmaking and movie going stuff that bother me. Uh, mainly the Rathtar scene. That scene is absolutely unnecessary. You could have changed. Like, why have the guys from the raid in there other than like to be eaten? <laughs> why why not have them chase them? Like, oh, you you guys have the droid that Kylo Ren is looking for, and then you just have them like run around. Like, I don't care if it's Scooby Doo. Yeah. Just have them run around. Have a blasters fight, and you know. Do something with those guys. Don't just have them be cannon fodder for these giant rolly monsters that don't belong in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> that whole scene was just pointless because, it, and again, like all it did was serve up the whole point of like Ray being able to time the the door to cut off one of the tentacles, and yeah. she runs up to Finn and he's like, "Did you see that?" She's like, "Yeah, that was lucky." Like I feel like that was the entire point was to set up that joke. Yeah, and then it it also sets up them getting on the Millennium Falcon, which again you could have done by having the those little those guys from the raid hijack Han's ship and all of a sudden they have to get away. Oh, yep. well, we have the Millennium Falcon. That scene could have been done a hundred different ways or it could have been cut completely. And Han could just be like, hey, I got the Falcon back. Screw this hunk of junk. Mm-hmm. And he goes. Yeah. So there, there's a bunch of different things that could have been done with that. The other thing that really irks me is uh, there's a scene in the battle outside of Maz's place where... The X-Wings come up in that really cool scene where they're, like, flying just above the water. God, I love that. That is a great shot. and that is It's an amazing shot, yeah. Yeah. And then there's almost immediately after that, we have Poe flying around and, like, doing some crazy stunt pilot things and shooting out some some ties and taking out guys on the ground. And it, that part's cool. But then you have Poe. He's like, woo, that's one hell of a pilot. I hate that. That is such a terrible line. Like, yeah. all you need is the woo. You don't need anything else because, like... They they put that line in there because they don't want they want the audience to be like oh he doesn't know it's Poe right. well no shit he doesn't know it's Poe he thinks Poe is dead and so all you have to do is when they see each other for the first time and give that big bro hug on the the tarmac of the the new rebellion base he he recognizes the X wing he's like that was you yeah that's that's all you have to it's do it's a dumb line and it bothered me it bothered me when I saw it. I'm still of the opinion that I, and among other sorry among other fine. things he's like he's in the middle of fighting yeah like there's, you don't just being, stop to like marvel at he's being shot at it's a good thing there's <laughs> stormtroopers and they miss yeah no I'm of the opinion I still think it's it's in the bottom tier of Star Wars movies I I've I've tried rewatching it a few times and I can never I mean, it there are moments I like. I really like the introduction of Rey as a scrapper. I love some of the shots that they show of her. I like, um, I love the shot of the of the Tie Fighters in the sun. It's a beautiful Western shot. I love. I mean, it's the just, Apocalypse it, Now yeah, shot. It's, it's just it's iconic, and it's an iconic shot because you know it's, it's immediately you know it's immediately re- uh, not relevant. It's immediately nostalgia because you you know because it's like Apocalypse Now, but it's also like a bunch of the um, the '60s and '50s war movies. And then the flying in the water is the Calvary scene because you have the dust, you have the water particles being kicked up, which is, of course is the Calvary incoming, which you've seen in many fantasy movies, you've seen many world movies. I do think that that last fight um, on the desert planet Death Star is beautiful. It's a snow planet. Well, yes. <laughs> Sorry, so, you snow got your planet. desert planets messed up. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's a desert snow planet. You can have a desert a frozen tundra desert <laughs> but yeah no i mean it's it's beautiful and i do think there's so many beautiful parts but i just think it to me what what bothers me is it falls under the weight of its um, own ignorance he doesn't give you a they don't explain anything yeah they, they don't explain what 
why those six planets destroyed by that beautiful race, um, that beautiful tendril finger destruction. Beautiful shot. I have no reason to give a damn. Yeah, like why? Why does it? Why do we need to care about these planets being destroyed? Yeah, I mean, because because all, the, all, all we know is that they're the quote unquote new republic. Right. Well, do we? Are they like literally the capital planets, or are they just planets that are part of the republic? Right. I mean, then it doesn't explain if the fleet's there, or do they? Like, they only say something like the fleet was elsewhere. Anyway, but Alderaan is one planet is destroyed, and the and episode four gives that all the weight in the world because she says that's my home planet. And then we're peaceful. We don't have any weapons. Of course, if you play the Old Republic, you know Alderaan has a shit ton of weapons. But that's besides the point. <laughs> and then, and then the whole, and then uh, Obi Wan sitting with his, with this whole. I feel like like a million voices cried out or something. Silence. It gives a massive weight to one planet. I just saw six destroyed, and I was like, wow, it's really pretty. Where was the fleet? Are these people important? And I understand that they, some of the background, apparently they removed a lot of the politics and explaining things because they were too afraid that people would be like, you over-explained things. What the hell? We didn't like the first movies because it was all about politics. It was like, no, one, two, and three sucked in various capacities, not because of politics, but because of poor decision-making of the of a person who wasn't told no. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I don't feel the story holds up. I, I don't feel there is a story. I don't feel it holds up. I do think there's moments where, re-looking at it, I find there is a great moment where Ray sees water and Chewie looks at her. And it's just a great little moment of like him, like you can tell he's like, he's taking in that she's never seen this much beauty before. And it's a good little tiny little moment there. And there are moments where like Ray is being held at, um, uh, where Kylo Ren kid, uh, catches her and he holds the lightsaber closer. And the, this is the beautiful vibration of that blade against her fear is a wonderful moment. But... It just, to me, if it still falls apart in the third act, I can't stand the third act basically from the moment Han walks out onto that... Uh, onto that, that death bridge? That de- the death bridge is when the entire movie still falls apart for me. Because I don't understand why they took... Kylo Ren has to take off his mask. I don't understand why they have to show his face. Because that, to me, we were talking about when I saw the original Star Wars movies. If I had known Vader was a chubby, pale dude, I would not be intimidated by him at all. And well, actually, he showed his face before. Then he showed his face to Ray, but that pisses me off in its own manner. I, I'm thinking about like I think about the little tweaks that I would have saw that is that he he shouldn't have taken off his master Ray. He should have just done some more force stuff on her. And she's like, I gotta get out. And if he's yes, reveal your face to your father, but don't show the audience. Harrison Ford's actually a good actor. Let him's his moment carry, and you can hear his natural speaking voice. That would have been fine. And then the whole fight scene, they let the planet literally saves his ass. It's like our villain should not be saved by the planet. That that, that moment, that moment is uh, a bit too symbolically literal, mm-hmm. where there's a literal divide that comes in between them. Yeah, uh, and that, she saves his, and that saves his ass. That pisses me off because it's like the plot literally gives our villain an excuse to live because she was about to whip his ass. I mean. I do have a little more sympathy for him because I, you know, I was on the hate train, basically walking out of that movie like Kylo Ren's a wuss. I understand people are like, "Well, he just got shot, yeah, and he just fought a stormtrooper, yeah." Still lost, reaching for the force of a lightsaber to a newbie who didn't even know what the force was 13 seconds ago. I don't hate it as much as I used to. I just don't think it it holds its own. I think there's too much given from our love of the original trilogy and the hope that the next movie would would save it. 
will make it look better. That's that's my biggest complaint is that, and it's nothing against the film that J.J. Abrams made because as far as we know, what they're planning on doing is kind of like a Lord of the Rings thing where it's, it ends up just being three really three chapters of one really long movie. Mm-hmm. But in the past, every Star Wars movie has been a movie unto itself. Exactly. There have been threads that will lead on to other things. Mm-hmm. But at, at the end of the day, there was a, a definitive beginning, middle, and end. Where this movie kind of picks up halfway through the first act. Like, all, we get Luke, Luke has disappeared, and there's a new Republic, and Leia's looking for her brother, and uh, all these things. And then we get Poe, uh, not Tatooine, talking with... Some guy who never gets named, oh, yeah. played by Max, Max von Sydow, whose name is Lor Santeca. Mm. But in the movie, he has never been named. Huh. All we know is that he's some guy who has a map to Luke Skywalker. Okay, well, who is this guy? Why does he know so much about Luke? And then Kylo Ren shows up, pulls the most badass moment in Star Wars history, which is stopping the blaster in midair. That was badass. That's, that's an amazing moment. Mm-hmm. Lor Santeca and Kylo Ren kind of talking and... Laura Santeca gives some backstory like, oh, well, they know each other. But how do they know each other? Too late, he's dead. So there's there's a lot of stuff because, again, there's there's a middle and close, there's a, close to a beginning and close to an end. And there's a definitive middle, but there's not enough fill to kind of give you the, the beginning and the end. I've been weighing this, this, this thought in my head that the movie should have ended kind of similar to Empire, where all we get is Ray in the Falcon going off. Mm. We don't get to see her get to the Island. We don't see her with Luke, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, one that pisses a lot of people off because we don't see Luke. And two, that kind of ruins the whole marketing towards the last Jedi, where we see a lot of Luke. Yeah. So everyone's like, wait, what, why, how did she get to Luke? What what happened? Obviously that would be covered in the beginning of the first, second movie. I think ending it before we get to Luke on that cliffhanger ending Mm -hmm. would have been better than what we got because Seeing Luke pull down his hood and then just getting those really long, like, panoramic shots yeah. of the island where she's just really awkwardly holding out the lightsaber for 45 seconds. <laughs> I think her just going off would have been better than seeing Luke for 15 seconds and then getting these shots around the island of Ray holding out the lightsaber. The music is beautiful in that oh, moment. Yeah, no, no. But at the same time, it's really annoying because I'm like, are we going to cut back? Is he going to talk? No, he's not going to talk. The movie's over. Well, that sucked. The ending didn't do much for me. I mean, I, I am, I, and that's why I kind of had a little hope for Rian Johnson because apparently J.J. Um, Abrams originally filmed it with BB-8 being there, and Rian Johnson's like, yeah, no, that needs to be R2. BB-8 belongs to Poe, and R2 belongs to Luke. Why would R2 not go with well, with a Chewbacca? You know, and so he seems to maybe have a little more intimate knowledge of it and what is purposeful to the story and the characters. But there's just other little things that have always bothered me. Like, I hate that Leia runs up and hugs Ray and, like, all but shoves Chewbacca out of the way to do it. Don't get that. There should have been the emotional connection of the two of them hugging because she just lost husband, father to her child. And Chewie just lost his best friend. Chewie just lost his life. Life partner. Yeah, and I and and Leia, of course, being force sensitive, she knows that Kylo Ren killed him. You know, so there should have been some kind of moment between them. I still don't get. She gives him a look, but like that's it. She doesn't hug him. Chewie just kind of walks by and goes to his his doctor friend. Yeah, I don't get it. And you know, so there's little things, but 
And so I, I just feel that there's just something kind of missing. It almost feels like they had the pieces like set up and then someone took like brush some off and then you it's always like you know you're building a puzzle and you start cleaning stuff up a little bit because you're like oh i'm almost done and you're like what the hell happened to those six pieces <laughs> there was something in the border here but i mean i i don't hate it as much as i used to i just i just don't think i'll probably rewatch it unless for some reason something is in the second one that i'm like i gotta this makes more sense now yeah i i enjoy it the i think depth, it's yeah. i i think it stands well enough on its own i think it's third best star wars movie i could be swayed that it's not as good as revenge of the sith but you would need to do a lot of swaying for me um i think it's it i think it goes empire a new hope and then the force awakens uh especially if we're talking the additions that people can have at home mm. with return of the jedi and all the changes that's gone on there mm. um that if it, if it weren't for the the changes it would probably go empire new hope the Force Awakens, Jedi, Sith, and then you can go one and two either way. Um, now, I would like to have you watch. I don't. I don't. I think we talked about this before. I don't think you've you've never watched the to, uh, the Topher Grace cut of the of um, one, two, and three. Have you? I have not. No, I've heard about it. You have to find it. it Isn't is, it? He made to like a three hour like single movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, what it is is that it. The title, it, he actually has a, mind you, this is someone who put together his notes because he, you know, obviously he can't release it because lawsuits, but he edit, he does some editing, he edited himself and he has the person's notes of somebody who watched and screened it and like wrote a detailed message. But basically it starts with a title scroll explaining the first movie basically. And you see the, and they keep the lightsaber battle um, at the end of that one. Then they basically truncate the hell out of the second movie and dump like the first 30 minutes of re, uh, Revenge of the, the Sith. The space battle that where Yeah. And the only the only thing that serves is uh, showing that Anakin can be manipulated yeah. by Palpatine. And it is a fascinating movie because it, it gets rid of the love story, all that stuff, all of a sudden they're like there's this young kid, some stuff happens, he's now training, he's in love with this woman and it may, and she's pregnant, it makes way more sense. It it changes a lot of the dynamic and it actually makes it I'm not sure if it makes Revenge of the Sith a better movie, but it sure as hell makes one, two, and three better films. <laughs> because then, because like then, of course, the viewing order would be you watch uh, four, five, the Phantom edit, which I think is what they called the Topher Grace cut, and then you watch six. And so it's like I'm your father. What? Oh, because then it cuts out your father was already a great pilot when I met him. Yeah, which because it makes it seem like he just found this kid. And yeah, he's a good pilot. <laughs> Turns out because he's a Jedi warrior, you know. Yeah, um, I will still maintain to my dying day that uh, the first like fifteen twenty minutes of Phantom Menace are a fantastic Star Wars movie. Oh, it is. Uh, the scene where you you get the the weird like I don't even know what like praying mantis kind of ship that lands on the the Trade Confederation ship, and then you get the Obi Wan and qui-gon uh, in the room they're sent yeah. to be ambassadors and like oh they're jedi yeah and they're like oh well gas them out and it, like that whole sequence uh one it shows off the technology that george lucas helped create to, to make those scenes uh work and it's great you get yeah. qui-gon like manipulating the the lightsaber to melt the mm-hmm. the blast doors that they're oh, yeah. blocking them in uh I, I think it's a great opening sequence to the movie and i think that's really what sucked me in because 
uh, when that movie came out in 1999, I was 14. I, I was going on 14. And I, my, I had my sister take me to the theater since I couldn't drive. And I stayed and I sat through like four viewings of that movie. Wow. Because I just, I enjoyed that opening sequence and the final fight so much. Yeah. Basically, people around our age unfairly bash the one, two, and three. I, I know people who are a little bit younger than me that would defend them greatly. And I, I've heard some really cool arguments. I still can't buy a single one for the Clone Wars. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't at all by a single argument for the Clone Wars um, the Yoda thing Attack of the Clones oh sorry yeah the Clone Wars movie was pretty bad too sorry the Attack of the Clones right but one I still think mostly holds up I mean outside of the Jar Jar stuff if you could get rid of the Jar Jar stuff I think one would be slightly better. Yeah. It does change a little bit of the lore, especially making Anakin a, a little kid, yeah. and then adding in like the immediately adding in the cheesy love dra- di- dialogue with like, "Are you an angel?" And yeah. for some reason, they can buy him, but not his mom. That's always weird to me. Be- well, they they say in the the movie that uh, Qui Gon will like t- trade him the the pod racer for Anakin and his mom, and then. Watto says no pot is worth two slaves. So he he's basically hamstringing him even though he's not willing to negotiate. And then Qui-Gon does what every good Jedi does and cheats at the game so he can get Anakin. But still, you think that, you know, they have a queen. They could have gone back and freed her. <laughs> well, they, they don't really have the money to free her because they don't accept the Republic credits in, on Tatooine. True. You could bring back ships and like say, hey, Wada, we'll trade you a ship. And I'm pretty sure Naboo Starfighters would be worth some money. Yeah. <laughs> but they never do yeah. between one and two. But I don't know. Instead, they wait 12 years, and then Anakin goes back to try and free her. <laughs> and mm. then they're like, oh, well, we sold her to some guy, and some guy fell in love with her and married her, and now she's uh, off getting murdered by sand people. I'm sorry, Tuscan Raider. Sand people is insensitive. Yay. <laughs> um, it's fine. I mean, obviously so, we have different opinions, but... Yeah, and again, both. everyone everyone definitely views The Force Awakens differently. It's a oh, very yeah. it's a very divisive Star Wars movie. Like, for the most part, a lot of people can who enjoy Star Wars can agree on uh, what's a good Star Wars movie compared to what's a bad Star Wars movie. Yeah. Uh, but the, the Force Awakens has left a lot of people kind of in the middle... And uh, that's not a bad thing. It, it gets people talking. Um, yeah. So I, I, I enjoy it for what it is. I, I think it could have been a lot more. Yeah. I don't know what the projection process was, but it, I think it does leave something to be desired, mostly from a, definitely from a cinematic standpoint. Uh, from a Star Wars fan point, I, I, I would like to have some of the gaps filled in. Like, why is the, why are these planets that the the first order is going to destroy why are they so integral to like destroying the new republic um why who who is the first order like yeah. that's a big question uh which is answered in uh books but for the general audience like i didn't read the books until they reset from the, yeah. the expanded universe uh when disney bought the rights i didn't start reading those books until then and so filling in those gaps as a as a storytelling device within the books to fill in those gaps is annoying oh, yeah. because uh the Halo series is notorious for that, where they would write a book and then they would have a plot point about something that was within the book, but they wouldn't really explain it in the game. That's dumb. <clears throat> I mean, that's just massively dumb. I mean, that, which is why I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe is working out so well, is that they do and don't acknowledge that the TV universe is there because they know that 
they can get 40 to 50 million people to go see a movie. They can get one or two million people to watch an episode. And they've, you know, they can't rely on supplemental um, uh, supplemental sources to have you understand something. Because if you have to, like, if you have to leave the theater and go, what the... Because, I mean, as much as I know some people would freak out and be love it, I mean, if Jessica Jones and Daredevil suddenly showed up in Avengers and were fighting next to him... Daredevil would be just as useless as Hawkeye. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if they suddenly showed up and were beaten, whooping ass, the first 10 rows would be like, yay, and then the, the next 40 rows would be like, what the... Okay, who's she? Is that Black Wood? No, that's Widow. Okay. How is she so strong and so and then, much smaller than and Black then a Widow? bunch of phones start coming up and people are like typing. <laughs> the theater becomes lit by cell phone screens. Yeah, I mean, they have to acknowledge that, you know, they've established the relationship and characters throughout the movie. So I'm, I'm, I read a lot of the extended universe when it was originally out. I'm, I have no interest to start over. Explain it to me in the damn movie. You have, you're going to, you literally have my $10 and two and a half hours of my life make me buy the dvd or find a reason to watch it yeah or you know do it in other mediums like the star wars rebels does a pretty good job of filling in gaps yeah. and you can you can acknowledge all that stuff like they did in rogue one uh by yeah. having a droid that's in the show show up or you know that's just cute. just mentioning a name mm-hmm. like they did in rogue one it was those were great because yeah. i'm in i'm super invested in star wars rebels and hearing admiral or general Sindula or captain Sindula get announced in the in the the pa i was like oh! and I, I literally leaned over to my wife at that moment i was like they're talking about Hera. yeah i seen that one, that was a cute little uh, issue like however they can't you know they can't expect they can't expect the entire cast to show up without explaining who the hell they are and i i just i think from a storytelling standpoint um it does suffer but it, it there's a lot of really good eye candy in that movie as well oh, yeah. um the the millennium falcon chase scene through the the wastelands of jakku is awesome yeah diving through the engines of the star destroyer diving through the engines and then like the the gunner gets jammed so she has to like kill the engines and just kind of free fall to line up the shot for for finn which is fantastic yeah escaping through the the star destroyer with finn and poe where they like blow up the inside of a mm-hmm. a hangar bay that's cool yep and uh, there's there's some fan things that that bother me too like they're they're really prominent in like the harry potter series where they're just there to like give the fans a chuckle uh th- those sort of things bother me they're relatively to a minimum yep. and f- if and they hold up like certain ones hold up like uh the bb8 thumbs up thing that was that hold that holds up the bb8 thing holds up but the way finn does it like it that doesn't hold up to me like it's it's a very like it's it's weird to say but like the way he's like holding the thumbs up and like stressing it to the droid if it was just like a quick like thank you yeah like that would have been a lot better than him like holding his arm out and like shaking it and just going yeah yeah thank you thank you so much and then they cut to bb8 and he does the quick thumbs up but And then the the one that doesn't hold up for me is the stormtroopers coming around on patrol while Kylo Ren is having one of his fits yeah. uh, after telling finding out that uh, I think it's BB-8 got away. The droid the the stormtroopers come around the corner on patrol and they see like the sparks flaring out and you know that's a funny moment especially since they stop but then they turn around and they like we'll come back later. That moment doesn't hold up well for me. So that holds up for, for, well for me. The part that doesn't hold up well is when they're running. He's like. And they're running away, and Finn's like, well, what about that ship? That ship, that's a piece of junk. And then it's this Falcon, and it's like, uh-huh. It, was, it didn't work for me in the movie. Well, watching the first time, and then rewatching it doesn't. Because yeah, it's, if it's a piece of junk, but it magically still works, and magically 
several times throughout the movie, you fix it immediately. It's like, okay, it, it, it works. It's a piece of junk, but you could have taken it at, apparently at any time and left this godforsaken yeah. plant. And she even mentions that it hasn't flown for years. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't flown for years. I don't know. That, that moment holds up for me. Um, it, it doesn't because it's it's way too fan service It's like they're running and like they're gesturing off screen and then they pans and everybody's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way it, the way it happens is Finn's like, "What about that one?" Yeah, and no. she's just like, "That's a hunk of junk." And then they the they show the one that they're running towards gets blown up. Like the hunk of junk will do. And then they yeah. they cut back and you see the Falcon under the tarp. But it is also it's still the whole the hunk of junk line is just it's just lifted from the fourth movie. Yeah. So, yeah. So I mean, it just doesn't it doesn't work for me just because I mean in the movie, theater it comes kind of like ah eh. and then for watch it's like yeah they gotta fit this in. and it's fifteen seconds until there is the reveal. Yeah, we we've shared enough of our thoughts on the Force Awakens. <laughs> um, I'm super excited for the Last Jedi, as I'm sure you are as well. I mean, it's it's Star Wars. These are currently still event movies, uh, well, especially saga movies. I mean, we know somebody who's not excited for it. Are you talking about Derek? <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about the hydraulic agent. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, Mandy has apparently outed herself to the group as a, a non-Star Wars fan, or at least a uh, the opposite of a Star Wars fan, as she says. So I, I wonder if that just means she's a bigger Trek fan than she is a Star Wars fan. I didn't bother asking. I just fired her on the spot. So anyway, episode eight. I honestly have no idea what to expect from this. I've, I've kept my viewings of the trailers to a minimum. Um, I even saw a TV spot come up when we were watching... Uh, uh, a TV the other night and uh, a, a TV spot came on and I, I, I averted my eyes and I looked over at my wife and I was just like, stop watching. <laughs> and she's just like, why? I'm not going to remember this. <laughs> like, well, good for you, but I'm not watching this. So uh, I, I've, I've watched the, the first two trailers, which again, I don't think they give anything away really. Mm. I've seen bits of other things, but they, they didn't do a lot that like Thor the Dark World did where um, they, when they were building up to like the week before, there were a few images like Thor sitting on the throne of Asgard, yeah. uh, calling out to Hela. That w moment was spoiled for me. Right now, the, all they're doing is like, at least I'm seeing on social media, all they're, seeing, all they're doing is uh, like one week and they have like stormtroopers walking along yeah. and a few things. And they had a big like eight days uh, the other day, uh, just because it's episode eight. So like eight more days. I, I've been keeping away from the trailers, and so I, I really have no idea what to expect. I know there's supposed to be some big set piece set in a casino because there, there were set images that were released uh, with like a, a big gala happening in some kind of casino. Uh, I think that's going to be largely done with Finn and um, his gal pal for this movie. I forget her name already. Uh, I think it's like Rosemary Tran or something like that is the actress. Yeah. Well, don't have her in the movie, hopefully. <laughs> So I, I really don't know what to expect. I know there's going to be a, kind of a, a Battle of Hoth kind of homage sort of yeah. thing, which uh, I did see in the uh, the Last Jedi DLC pack. What they're what they're defending looks more like Helm's Deep to me. So I'm hmm. hoping that it actually ends up being a little bit more like Helm's Deep. That would be cool because so, everyone's expecting Hoth. So yeah. what do you do instead of Hoth? You do Helm's Deep. Any thoughts for you on the Last Jedi? No, I'm just I'm just <laughs> really hoping it. It's good. The anticipation is mounting. I, I even took the day off of work so nice. I could like mentally prepare and watch the last or the Force Awakens kind of refresh one last time and yeah. uh, get some dinner and then head to the theater and nice. just enjoy it. And all the 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 crazy amount of trailers that are dropping that will be attached to it. No, oh, geez, yeah, that's <laughs> gonna be like thirty minutes of trailers. Yeah, alone. Uh -huh. 
<laughs> making it a like a three hour <laughs> oh yeah making it a like, three hour theater going it's like experience an hour 52 i mean no, it's like it's two hours and 32 minutes with credits i'm at 152 or something like that it'd be yeah 152 yeah. Yeah. so alex thanks again for coming on uh we are recording on a short week so if there's some news that comes out on saturday that we miss we're sorry you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube. Please follow us on Twitter at Talking Smack Pod. You can email us your thoughts if you if you go see Star Wars: The Force or The Force Awakens. If you have differing opinions on The Force Awakens, or if you go see The Last Jedi and you really enjoy it, you really hate it, you're disappointed. Uh, you can email your thoughts to us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. Alex doesn't social media media yep. lies, or and I do Twitter. You can follow me at Josh underscore Scar. Thanks again for listening, and thanks again for uh, coming on, Alex. And I'm, I'm really butchering this ending. My throat is super sore. I, I had a really bad coughing fit, and I've been, like, swishing around cough drops, which I'm sure you might may have noticed listening to this because, again, my mics are super sensitive. But at least I didn't have too many coughing fits today. <laughs> That's right. Just to let you know, uh, this week's end credit music it was remixed by Hershey's Mr. Goodbar. Delicious. <laughs> exactly. Roll that theme music. <laughs>